Well, listen, I'm, I'm pumped that we had baptisms today. Listen, every single one of you who made that public declaration of your faith, we're proud of you. We honor you. So, hey, for those of you who don't know, what, what is baptism? What does it mean? For us, we believe that baptism, because of Scripture, baptism is a public affirmation or declaration of your personal walk with Jesus. That just means you're letting everybody know that you believe in Jesus. So listen, if you've never been baptized before, listen, we'll have the tank up here, the rest of the service. If somebody wants to get baptized, we've got shorts for you. We've got t-shirts for you. We've got towels for you. So you can get baptized at the end of service. A couple other things that I want to talk about. Uh, the first, a couple housekeeping things. The first thing is this. It's our women's retreat. If you've already signed up for, all right, go ahead. Make some noise. You can. <laughs> women's retreat. That's kind of weak. That's kind of weak. Ladies, you got your women's retreat coming up June 9th through the 11th. All right, fellas, we have our men's retreat August 4th through the 6th. That's what I'm talking about. It just sounds good. But ladies, 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 so hey, your deposit is due June the 2nd. That's a $250 deposit. We have scholarships available. Listen, don't let finances be the reason that you don't go. All right? That's not an excuse. If you need help, if you need scholarships, we got it for you. But if you could scan that QR code, go ahead and, and drop your, um, your deposits there. We also have merch available in the lobby. You guys have seen that. Listen, this is the way that we do it at this church. I mean, everybody does it different. This is the way we do it. All the merch is free. Just go grab something. All right, if you want to scan the QR code and pay something for it, great. But we believe in just giving everybody everything away. Scan that QR code if you want to. But stop by, grab a shirt, grab a magnet, grab a hat, grab whatever's out there. Also, we have Party with the Pastors today. I know we have several people already signed up for it. Party with the Pastors is what we do the first Sunday of every single month. And it's a way for you to understand who we are as a church and the direction that we're going. But the direction that we're going for the next four weeks is we're going to kick off a new sermon series. And I've, I've been excited for this series. And if I had to title this series something, I would title it Living for More. Living for More. Now, the subheading to this week's service is being a multiplier in the marketplace and doing work that matters. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 128. That's going to kind of be a theme verse for us. And then we're going to take a look at Ephesians 4. So the basis of this entire series is out of those two verses. And each week we're going to be diving into different pillars of society. Because I believe that too many people live like this. They, they live like, thank God it's Friday and oh God it's Monday. Like y'all have been there before. Like thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's the weekend. I made it through the week. Sunday evening rolls around. You start setting those alarms for Monday morning. You wake up on Monday morning and what happens? You're like, oh God, I got to go to work. Right, like be honest with yourself. Raise your hand if you've ever had that thought. I'm a pastor and I've had that thought. I'm like, oh God, it's, it's Monday. I got go, to go to a meeting. Oh, it's Monday. I've got to deal with that issue. Oh, it's Monday. I've got to make that phone call. Oh, it's Monday. I've, that email has been haunting me all weekend and I should probably respond to it because I looked at it at 4.59 on Friday and shouldn't have. Right, like, like you just, you're dreading going back to work on Monday. And, and even when people get saved, they can have the mindset that real ministry only takes place on Sunday. If we're not careful, we can have the mindset that real ministry only happens when people get baptized. That real ministry only happens when people find Jesus in a church service. That real ministry only happens when we see people at the altar. That real ministry only happens on Sunday. And we live like this, as long as I can make it to Sunday and I can get my Jesus fix, 
As long as I get that Jesus fix it, I'm good the rest of the week. As long as I can check the boxes, as long as I can go serving kids, I can serve in worship or the media team, I can be a part of the VIP team or, or the setup team or the teardown team, as long as I can do something in the church, then my life matters. Monday through Saturday is how I pay my bills, but, but Sunday is what matters. And I don't believe that's the way Jesus intended us to live. John Brevere wrote a book uh, called X, and, and basically it's about multiplying your God-given talent in the workplace. And there's a story in the, in the book, and, and John talks about going to this conference. And while he's at this conference, he's kind of walking around before the conference started, and the volunteer team's there, and they're setting up the chairs, and they're placing uh, all the pamphlets in the chairs and, and all that good stuff. And, and there's a guy that's like halfway back in the auditorium, and man, he's got, he's got his materials, and he's like placing them meticulously on the chair. And John and the pastor of the church walks up to him and says, hey, sir, thank you so much for, for serving this week. And the guy was kind of taken back, and he said, hey, listen, this is the one week out of the year that I get to serve in the church. And John kind of steps back. He goes, well, what do you, what do, you do? Man's well, I'm I'm a surgeon, and I can I can come to church every now and then, but but sometimes surgeries and emergency surgeries they they get in the way, and I can't always be at church. But I make it a point to take off this week and serve at this conference because that's my fulfillment. That's how I know I'm serving the kingdom. And John was kind of taken back, and he's like, "Dude, you're a surgeon." Like you impact the kingdom every single day and you don't even realize the power that your work has. You don't realize that you're changing lives through surgery every single day. And I believe that's how many people live. If they can just get into the church and serve, then God will be happy with them. Opposed to allowing their life to be a representation of who Jesus is. Now don't, don't hear that the wrong way. We need y'all to serve at the church. Right? That's not, a, that's not a scapegoat. Well, Zach said that I... No! Like, listen, we need people in kids' ministry. We need people on the worship team. We need people on the media team. We need more people. That'd be y'all guys. Use guys. Use guys and y'all. There you go. We need... So I hit my northern people and I hit my southern people. Use guys and y'all. But we need y'all to serve. We need you to be a part of the setup team and the teardown team. You know what we really need at this church right now? I need about 10 people... Who are, who are willing and able to take over the parking lot. Zach, what are you talking about? Listen, I want people at the roads waving at people when they pull into church. That way when the new people come in, they're like, I don't know where to go. Just follow the crazy guy waving. Right? You know what I'm saying? But if you want to be a part of that team, like we, we need people like that in the church. But, but don't get it twisted. That's not the only time that you serve in the kingdom. Just because you ch- serve at a church, that's good. That's a, that's a part of it. But that's not all of it. What I've come to learn is if you don't have passion, you'll think that there's nothing worth living for. That's when you live like, oh God, it's Monday. There's no passion behind your life. But what if you could live for more? That's what this entire series is going to be about. What if Monday could be just as exciting as Sunday? What if Monday morning, what if tomorrow morning was just as exciting as watching people get baptized? What if, what if Wednesday was just as energizing as Friday? I love, I love being off of work, but what if Wednesday gave me just as much life? What if Thursday was just as life-giving as Sunday? I love coming to church on Sunday. I love being a part of this community. I love being a part of this family. But what if your Thursday was just as impactful and just as important? Genesis chapter 128 says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on this earth. Have dominion over everything. I want to take a look at what we're calling the wheel of purpose. Y'all give it up for the team that put this together. That thing looks great. Look, it, it even spins. But, but let's, take, let's take a look at this thing. I mean, take a look at the different layers, and I want to kind of talk through this, but, but let's take a look at the thing that's at the center of the wheel. It's Jesus and the cross. Listen, at the center of your life has to be Jesus and the cross. Here's the reality. It can't be Jesus and something else. It can't be Jesus and you. It can't be Jesus and your own selfish ambitions. It can't be Jesus and your desires. It's simply always Jesus. At the center of your life has to be Jesus. If you're not careful, then your life can take form of many different idols in your life. And and I would say the reality of that is that's just internal selfishness. That's just you saying, I want what I want when I want it. My needs and my emotions are what's important to me. Opposed to having Jesus at the center. See, when Jesus is at the center, we surrender to absolutely everything. Again, let's go back to Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and have dominion over it. So, so what do we see from this scripture? Why are we starting there? Because that's the original blessing. That's the first blessing that God ever spoke to humanity. Who was he speaking to? Adam and Eve. So God's blessing was given from God. Who was it given to? It was given to Adam and Eve. What happened? What does scripture tell us? Adam and Eve sinned. They ate of the fruit that God told them not to. And so they fell away from God. They fell out of blessing. But what did God do? We talked about it a couple weeks ago over Easter. God sent Jesus. Why? To reestablish the blessing to Humanity, so that we could live like God intended in the Garden of Eden. Listen, we all have a choice. We all have a choice. We can either live under the first covenant and the first Adam, and we can live in selfishness. We can live in unfruitfulness. We can live in division. We can allow the things of the world to have dominion over us, or or we can live under the promise of Christ, and we can live a fruitful life. We can live a life full of multiplication, and we can live a life allowing us to have dominion over the earth like God intended. Listen, Jesus and the cross has to always be at the center of everything that we do. And then we have the role of the church. So notice the second layer. First, we have Jesus at the center of everything, and then we have the role of the church. Well, what does scripture tell us about the church? Scripture tells us that the church is the ecclesia. What does ecclesia mean? Ecclesia simply means the assembly of the called. It's the called ones. It's the ones that have stepped into a relationship with Jesus. It's the ones who make a public declaration of their faith. It's the assembly of the called. But for decades, for decades, the enemy has done everything to keep people out of the church. I mean, think of the progression of society. Back in the day, everything was closed on Sunday, not just Chick-fil-A. That's not just a Kanye lyric, all right? <laughs> but everything was closed on Sunday, especially during church. I get, I get that things open up after church and stuff, but it breaks my heart every time I'm out in public and I invite somebody to church, oh, I got to work on Sunday. Oh, I work in the service industry, and I, man, I can't take off. 
And what sucks is that's how they pay their bills. It's how they put food on their table. It's how they take care of their kids. But, but I can't comprehend. They have to sacrifice that for spending time with Jesus inside of the church. And, and then what happened in society? People started to view the church as boring and not relevant. Listen, if you find scripture boring, I promise you, you're not reading it as in-depth as you should. Scripture is not boring. Jesus is not boring. And then, and then it kind of teared down to this. I don't need the church. I can love Jesus, but I don't need community. That's a scary place to be. I can love Jesus, but I can do it on my own. I can love Jesus, but, but I've got a few people that I do life with. I think that's valid and very important, but that's only one piece of the spoke. You can't, that's not the entirety of it. I, I can love Jesus, but I don't have to get into the church. And then it tiered from that to this. I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I believe in something greater than myself, but, but I'm not convinced that it's God. Yeah, I think there's something out there, and I think there's good vibes and good spirits, but, but I don't want to subscribe to this guy named Jesus, because what if there's something else? And we see this tear in our society. And then what happens? Well, I can't sacrifice my family time for church. So then we start planning things on Sunday. Now, listen, I'm not talking about your vacation. Everybody takes vacations, all right? I take vacations. There are Sundays that I won't be here because I'll be sitting on a beach somewhere on vacation under an umbrella because I don't do the sun, all right? <laughs> I got three colors. I got white, pink, and red. Like, I don't, like, it's tanning season. No, it's not. It's, I don't tan. But, but here, here's the thing, like I'm not talking about your vacation time, I'm not talking about your family time. What I'm talking about is you consciously making the decision to plan everything on Sunday because you don't want to be at church. I'm not talking about the, the once a month, I'm talking about like it's, it's just your habit, it's what you do. And then that tiered from there to I've been hurt by the church so I don't ever want to go back. No ma'am, no sir, you haven't been hurt by the church, you've been hurt by people. You've been hurt by people. And that's valid and that's real. I understand it. I've been hurt by people. And in the last two years, we've seen a full-on assault on the church. I don't care what you subscribe to. I don't care if you're right or left. We've seen a full-on assault on the body of the church. But this is what I see. What I see week after week are people who are just hungry for Jesus. I had a conversation with my buddy Chris after... Uh, it was after our men's group on Thursday night, and we sat in the cold. Zach, could y'all hear us? Where is Zach, Brock? Are you somewhere over here? I'm just looking in this direction. Zach, you're over here. Hey, could you hear us talking outside? Because we were concerned that you, we were going to keep y'all awake by talking. Oh, man, couldn't sleep. Uh, but no, we, you, are you serious? You couldn't hear us? No, Anna, don't lie to me. Anna, go throw, some, throw a ball at a dunk tank again. Sorry. Sorry. No, here we go. We have a relationship where I can do that, Okay. But, but here's, here's the thing. I was talking with Chris outside of, of Zach's house after our, our men's group, and we just talked about how refreshing it was to have 12, 15 men sitting around a fire having deep and meaningful conversations about life and about Jesus. There are people who are hungry for Jesus. I believe that many people in this room today are hungry for a relationship with Jesus. But, but here, here's the problem. We can have Jesus at the center of our life. We can be a part of a church, but, but we never move past these two spheres. We never move past this. You say, Zach, what are you, what are you talking about? I, I, love the, I love Jesus. 
And I love the church. I come to church. I serve in the church, and many of you do. You come every single week, or you come regularly, and you serve in the church, but you still feel like something's missing. You still feel like there has to be more. So then we get to APEST. And you see kind of A-P-E-S-T in this, this next fear. And what, what does that even reference? First off, APEST references that were made to multiply. The apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. We find that in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to dive into it in just a second. But, but think back to uh, our series, our multiplier series, a few months back. And what do we talk about in our multipliers series we, we identified that we are made to crush consumerism. There's too much consumer is, consumerism in our society. Buy this, eat this, drink this, travel to this place, have this experience, and you'll be happy. So you subscribe to it, you do it, and you're fulfilled until you're not. And then you find yourself in this cycle all over again. Do this, buy this, get this job, get this promotion, make this amount of money, and then you'll be happy. And so you pursue it, you obtain it, and you're fulfilled until you're not. And you find yourself in this cycle over and over and over again. It's kind of like me and late night snacks. I told y'all about that a couple weeks ago. I have given up late night snacks. Hallelujah. Amen. No more. Y'all can clap for that, but y'all can't clap for G. Like, come on now. Y'all better be clapping at the end of service too. But I, I've, I've, given up, I've given up my late night snacks. I've given up my Lucky Charms. I've given up my random like scoops of peanut butter and all, and all that good stuff. But y'all have been, don't judge me. Like, you've been there before. It's like, I want a healthy, I just need a little snack. I need something like, I'm, I'm a little hungry. I need a little something before I go to bed. You try to be healthy. Like, you grab the banana. You grab the apple, right? Some of you are weirdos and you grab carrots with like a little bit of ranch. But it's like you, you, gra- you got the little snack, right? And then after you eat it, you're still not full. And so you're like, oh, I just need, maybe this is just me, but you're like, I just need something that's a little sweet. <laughs> like, go ahead, like, raise your hand if that's you. Like, tell on yourself. That's what I'm talking about. You're like, I just need something that's a little, I just, and so what you try to do is you try to open up the container of ice cream and get the spoon and take one bite. And the problem is you walk away with the container and you just, or if it's Girl Scout season, you're like, I just need one cookie. I'm just going to open the box. It's kind of like breaking 100. Once you break it, it's gone. You know what I mean? Once you open the box, you take one. And the box is absolutely demolished. But we live like that. We just consume and consume and consume. We got to switch the mindset. We have to move from consumer to multiplier. You weren't made to be a consumer. You were made to be a multiplier. Here at Multiply Church, man, we have a process that everyone goes through. The first Sunday of every month, it's party with the pastors. We have that again. We have it right after service. I know some of you already signed up for that. And then we have Multipliers 101, second Sunday of every month. Multipliers 201, third Sunday of every month. But, but what are the, I want to talk about the five points of a multiplier just, just briefly. Kind of bring you up to speed if you've never seen this in any of our material. But we make these declarations. My identity will be formed by the word of God. We make this declaration, I know my Ephesians 4 gifting and I'm using it in ministry in the house of God and in the marketplace. It's not just about Sunday morning. I will live a life of generosity. I will be a soul winner and I will be a part of a team. I'm in heart and soul. This series is taking the next step of identifying your gifting. What is your apex gifting? Are you an 
Are you kind of an apostle? Are you a shepherd? Are you a teacher? Are you a prophet? Are you, ev- are you evangelistic? Zach, what are you talking about? Those words sound weird. No, they're in the Bible. But let's, let's break them down just a little bit. Because the misconception is this. The misconception is that Paul is just writing the church leaders. The misconception in Ephesians chapter 4 is Paul is just writing to people who have leadership positions in the church. But that's not what Paul writes. He writes to each one of us. So to everyone in the body of Christ, to everyone who's accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you have a gift inside of you. Regardless of if you believe it or not, God's placed a gift inside of you. So let me, let me kind of break this down in, in a modern language or modern text. What is, what is an apostle? I would say that an apostle is an innovator or an entrepreneur. Listen, if you're an innovator or entrepreneur in the room, you probably have apostolic tendencies inside of you. What about the prophetic? Man, the prophetic is a seer or a reformer. Evangelistic, you love telling stories and you love gathering people together. You're the person that when somebody says, hey, we're going to go do this event, we're going to go to the Whitewater Center, we're going to go to Carowinds, we're going to go to a football game, regardless of what the event is, you're starting to text people and invite people. You're just gathering people. You're the ones that open up your house and love having your house full of people. But what about the shepherds? The shepherds are the caretakers and the healers. The, the, The shepherds are the people who sign up for the meal trains every time somebody has a baby. The shepherds are the people who show up when people are in need. And then you have, you have teachers. What are teachers? Teachers are learners and guides. As, some, as someone's trying to establish their faith in their life, you love walking through Scripture with them. Or, or you're the person at work, when somebody can't figure something out, you're the one that helps them understand the new technology. You're the one that under, helps them understand the new process or the new procedure. How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you have taken like an Enneagram test, a disc test, strength finders, anything, by show of hands? A lot of people. All right, put your hands down. When you've taken those tests before, you, you kind of get the results back. When you read the results, how many of you, by a show of hands, how many of you would say, man, that's at least 50 to 70% accurate? That's my personality. Because I, I would say that, I would say the majority of the hands went back up. Now, now this, is what, this is what we find in Scripture that everything is based out of your apex gifting. Why? Because this is the Bible. Why? Because this is what the Bible says. This is who the Bible calls you. So those other, I would say those other programs or those other tests are important, but I would suggest that this is the basis to everything. It's Ephesians chapter 4. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. So we have, we have to each use the gift that we've been given. Now let me revisit Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Because if these are our gifts, then, then what does the Bible say about it? Well, the Bible says, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the church only on Sundays, and have dominion over whatever you want to. That ain't what the Bible says. It says this, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Pop quiz. Where are we to be fruitful and multiply? The entire earth. It's open book test. Where are we to have dominion over everything? Over everything. What does dominion mean? Well, let's take a look at the original Hebrew. Dominion is radah. What does radah break down to? It means to have dominion, to rule, or to dominate. Like, Zach, I don't know about that dominate words. I, I know people who try to dominate every conversation that I've ever been in, and I don't like them. 
Like, y'all know those people. Those one-uppers, can't stand them. Like, don't be a one-upper, all right? Try to have dominion over everything. That's why we have to pair Genesis 1, 28 with Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 7. It reads like this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. So what are we called to do? We're called to have dominion, but to be a servant, we're called to have the posture of Jesus. Listen, Jesus could have come and demanded everything based on who he was. Jesus could have showed up on the scene and said, hey, listen, I'm the son of God. It's my way or the highway. I'm the son of God. You're going to do what I say, when I say it, and how I say it. But that's not how Jesus responded. Jesus came and he served. So what's the way that we're supposed to live? We have the position of dominion, but we have the posture of a servant. The position of, a, of dominion and the posture of a servant. I want to give you some background on two guys, uh, Lauren Cunningham and Bill Bright. Lauren Cunningham was the founder of YWAM. I know many of you know what, what YWAM is. And, and Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade. In 1975, man, they got together and, and they were meeting for breakfast one morning. And they came up and developed this strategy about how to put Bible verses into practice. And one author writes this, they concluded that in order to truly transform any nation with the gospel of Jesus, we must reach out to seven different spheres of society. And throughout this series, we're going to touch on the biblical perspective of these seven different spheres. And today, I'm going to kind of highlight each of them. You see it on the outside of the wheel. But these are the seven spheres that we're going to dive into over the next three weeks. So if any one of these are going to offend you, come to church that day so I can offend you. <laughs> if not, I'm just going to offend you now and you can get over it and you can come back. But, but there's no doubt that we have to take a look at these spheres. So again, Jesus is at the center of all that we do. All right? We're called to serve in the local church and serve in the marketplace. It's not just about showing up on Sunday and feeling good about yourself. It's about taking what you've learned in the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. How do we do that? We do it in the marketplace. Through what? Through your gifting. So let me, let me kind of take a look at, at, these, at these spheres. Let me give you a brief overview. The first one is family. I truly believe that family is the building block of society. There's no doubt in my mind that the biblical concept of family is under attack by the enemy. Stephen, Coach Jackson, you and I have talked about this on several occasions. The fatherlessness in our culture and in our society is running rampant. And you saw it in the high school system. And, man, you saw it. You saw it every, every time you coach, you see it. What I know is divorce is running rampant in our society. Now, listen, I know that some of you in the room have biblical grounds for divorce. I, I know that some of you have gone through that. I'm not, I'm not calling you out. I'm not picking on you. This is what I'm calling out. I'm calling out how easy it is for someone to step into that process. I'm calling this out. This is what I'm calling out. Yeah, I just don't like that person anymore, so I'm, I'm out. I don't want to deal with that situation, so I'm out. 
Listen, I get, I get that there's been abuse. I get that there's been infidelity. I get that there's things that, that cause divorce to happen. What I'm saying is, what we're calling out is how easy it is for someone just to walk away from another person because they don't like them. That, that's what we're calling out. I know that there's abuse in family. I know that there's homosexual marriages. I know that there's pornography running rampant in marriages that are tearing them apart. Zach, are you going there? Yeah, I'm absolutely going there. We're going to call that stuff out in society because God is calling us to bring back his order and the concept of family that he established in Scripture. What about this? What about education? Education is one of the most powerful weapons on the earth, and we have to pay attention to what we're feeding kids. Why? Because they're going to be the leaders of tomorrow. So what we put in their minds today will be what the church comes tomorrow. But this is what, listen, this is what blows my mind. I read an article watched and watched a video this past week, and it was this concept that teachers truly believe, that some educators truly believe that first through third graders should be able to identify their sexual orientation. And they're teaching it in the classroom. They're taking an entire week and teaching it in the classroom. Listen, my kid can't even establish what she wants for dinner. If it was left up to her, she would want Reese's Cups and Hershey Kisses for every single meal. But we're telling them they can, we've got to understand what's going on in the classroom. The third pillar or the third gate that we're going to talk about is government. And that includes making laws and law enforcement. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 34 says this, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. You want something to tweet? Tweet this, a nation is led by its government. So wherever the government is heading, the society is heading as well. Regardless of what you believe. Wherever the government is heading, society is heading there as well. We have to bring the gospel message of Jesus into the government in order to find righteous political leaders having a positive effect on all aspects of government and therefore the whole of society. What does the Bible say about that? We're going to dive into it in a couple weeks. The fourth pillar is media. Media has the power to shape opinions and we've seen that more than ever in the past three years. It can either speak truth or it can speak lies. The fifth pillar is entertainment, including arts and sports. This is one of the mountains or, or one of the gates that I believe is the most influential in, in shaping our society. From music to filmmaking, sports, TV, social media, performing arts, they're all kind of lumped together. And I believe that media and entertainment are actually woven more closely than we give them credit for. Zach, what are you talking about? Let me give you an illustration. A couple weeks back, a couple weeks back, there were, that was loud, a couple weeks back, there were, there were two events that happened in the same week. And the first event was Kyrie Irving winning a big game, and it was one of his games back, and the media kind of put a camera in front of his face. He said, Kyrie, man, how, how'd you do it? You had over 30 points, y'all won the game, you're going to playoffs, how, how'd you do it? He goes, man, well, it's, it's Ramadan, I've been fasting, and I just want to thank Allah for, for all the all the energy that he gave me and national news. And then we had Scotty Scheffler. He won the Masters, put on the green jacket. Scotty, how'd you do it? Man, I just want to thank Jesus. Media, radio silent. How does the church step in from a biblical perspective? What does the Bible say about the church stepping into these areas? The sixth one is business. And we're going to include science and technology in that. Because the business world, man, it's a dog-eat-dog world. As long as I can make the sale when I need to make it, how I need to make it, and who I need to make it to, man, I'm going to do it. It's dog-eat-dog world. 
But we have to flip the script. It's not about what you can obtain, but how you can impact the kingdom through business. The seventh pillar, seventh mountain, seventh gate, whatever you want to call it, seventh thing that we're going to talk about is health and wellness. How, how, how can you take care of others if you can't take care of yourself? How can we proclaim the gospel message if we can't take care of ourselves? Now hear me, this isn't a plug for CrossFit. This isn't a plug for any other gym. This isn't a plug for having 14 abs. This isn't a plug for, for ha- running 12 miles a day. This isn't a plug for how you should eat, when you should eat, why you should eat. This isn't a plug for that. But this is saying that we're called to be better versions of ourselves every single day. We're called to get 1% better every single day. Day. I mean, I'm a firm believer that many Christians can't do what God has called them to do because their bodies aren't physically, emotionally, and mentally capable of carrying the load. We have, we have to take a look at health and wellness. So seven specific areas that we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. Why? Because Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 calls us to have dominion over everything. I don't care if it's media or entertainment or education or family or health or business or government. God has called Christ's followers to have dominion over everything. How? How? By taking the posture of Jesus like we saw in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 through 7 and implementing our gifts that we find in Ephesians chapter 4. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. I'm not just going to open the doors and say, go change the world and not talk about how. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we impact from a biblical perspective these specific areas. Ask yourself these questions. Who's dominating these gates? Is it the enemy or is it Jesus? Is it heaven or is it hell? Who's controlling these gates? Let me ask it like this. Have these gates invaded your family from a negative perspective have these gates invaded the church see God created you with a pest he created you with a gift set inside of you to influence these areas in society I bet I bet if we took a poll that there's individuals in this room who are part of the entertainment industry there's individuals in this room who are part of the education industry there's individuals in this room who have a family unit There's individuals in this room who are part of health and wellness in their day-to-day work. There's individuals that are a part of business and government and media. It's already in the room. How are you going to use it to change the world? How are you going to use it to change the world? Let me burst some bubbles. I've had the team put this on the screen just so I could read it to you. If you want to, take a picture of it because I want you to chew on this over the next few days. There's no such thing as secular employment for the believer. Once we are born again, everything about us is redeemed for kingdom's purposes. It's all spiritual. It's either a legitimate kingdom expression or we shouldn't be involved in it at all. Every every believer is in full-time ministry. Only a few have pulpits and sanctuaries. The rest have their pulpit in the areas of expertise and favor in the world's systems. Bill Johnson says it like this, any gospel that doesn't work in the marketplace simply doesn't work. We can say we have the greatest message of all time, but if we leave it inside the church, the message doesn't work. Let's talk practically about today, what's going on in our community. Listen, we had 15 plus baptisms this morning. 
We had, we've had 20 plus salvations over the last three weeks in this church. We have 45 plus women, so y'all can keep clapping, 45 plus women signed up for our women's retreat. 50 plus men signed up for our men's retreat. We're putting the enemy on notice. I say this time and time and time again. It's on the sweatshirts and the lobby. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. We're going to be about expanding the kingdom of God. And over the next three weeks, we're going to take a deep dive. How does the gospel message supposed to work in the marketplace? How's the gospel message work in the workplace? How are we going deeper with your family? Who are you going to bring to church? Zach, are you ever going to stop talking about bringing somebody to church? Absolutely not. My life was radically changed because Kevin Sheps took me to church. I can't tell my story without mentioning the name of Kevin Sheps. Who can't mention their salvation story without mentioning your name? Now listen, that's not putting you on the level of Jesus. That's just saying that Jesus used you so that he would make himself known in somebody else's life. Who can't mention your name without telling their salvation story? If we truly have the greatest gift and the greatest message of all time, then church, it's time for us to start opening our daggum mouths. I'm tired of Christians walking out the doors of the church and not mentioning the name of Jesus Monday through Saturday. Listen, when's the last time you've said the name of Jesus outside of church? I'm talking to myself right now. I'm a pastor. But when's the last time you've walked out of the church and actually mentioned the name of Jesus to somebody? He has the power to change people's lives. So over the next few weeks, over the next few weeks, we're going to tell you how. Those aren't the weeks that you skip, all right? Those are the weeks that you come to church. No. I got to share one more story. I'm wrapping up. I'm landing the plane, all right? I know I've gone a few minutes over. Get pumped up today. But here, here's the deal, like you, you've, seen, you've seen the stuff in your seats, right? You, you've seen the come sit with me cards. I've told you time and time again, don't be the person that leaves the daggum come sit with me card in the seat. They're made for you to take with you so you can invite people. I'll tell you a story about one of my buddies inviting somebody to church. His name's Nick. I don't know if Nick's here today. But Nick Goheen, there he is. What up, Nick? I asked him if I could share this story. Nick was, Nick was going out to eat, he was standing in line for food, kind of overheard a couple in front of him talking about, man, I think we just need to, I think we need to go to try out another church. Like the, the one that they went to, not right or wrong, it just didn't, it didn't fit with them. Oh, let's, let's try out another church. So Nick, like all of you are going to do today, took the card, put it in his pocket, and he was going to give it to somebody. So Nick's standing in line behind him and he, he goes, hey. Say, I got this, I got this come sit with me card. Like, kind of heard you talking. Love, love to have you, to have you sit with me at church. And Nick was met with this. I ain't taking that card. Like, that's literally what the guy said. The guy said, I'm not taking the card. And Nick was like, can you can you at least take a picture of it? <laughs> like, you don't have you don't have to take the card, but but can you can you just take a can you take a picture of it? Listen, I get it. Every time you ask somebody to come to church, every time you try to bring somebody to church, it's a battle. But can I tell you that's what Scripture says? Can I remind you that Scripture says that following Jesus is going to be a battle. It's going to be a grind. It's going to take you putting in the work. And sometimes we got to take some on the chin. 
Sometimes the enemy's gonna swing at us, he's gonna pop us on the chin, but this is what we gotta do. We gotta swing back harder. Can I remind you, I don't care how hard the enemy throws his punches, God will always throw bigger and harder punches. Now listen, don't go lay out somebody in the parking lot, all right? I don't need you knocking somebody out at Chick-fil-A, all right? But but how, how are you going to allow God to impact society through you? I want to paint a real picture. It's not always going to be easy. If you go to a church that says witnessing for Jesus is always easy, leave the church. It's not easy. It's going to be hard. The devil might swing hard, but God swings harder. I, I told the team to kind of build, build behind me, and we're going to go into wave. We had a plan at the end. I'm going to scratch that plan. Man, if I could get everyone across the room to stand for just a moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I would say there's probably two groups of people in the room. Maybe more, but at least two. And the first group, the first group, man, you, you want to make an impact for the kingdom. Man, you want to make an impact on society. You want to be a vessel of God. You want to be that mouthpiece. You, you truly want to be a witness for Jesus. But for some reason, whether it be lack of opportunity, whether it be a lack of confidence, a lack of thinking that you're, you're good enough, for some reason, you just haven't stepped into that. But all across this room, if you would say, Zach, man, I just, I want more confidence. I want to be bold. I want to share what Jesus has done in my life. I want to let people know about this guy named Jesus. This is, this is a bold thing to do. But if you would say, God, I just need, I need an opportunity. God, use me. If that's you all across this room, I want you to slip up your hand. If you would say, God, use me. Use me to spread the gospel message. Use me to make an impact in my community. God, use me to make an impact in my society. God, use me, Lord. You see the hands that are raised right now. Keep those hands up. You see the hands that are raised right now. And here's what I know you also see. You see the inner workings of their heart. And God, you probably even hear what the enemy is trying to whisper to their mind right now. You're not good enough. You have too many mistakes. The, the enemy's telling you that you can never do it. The enemy's telling you that you're not confident enough. The enemy's telling you that you, you're not a good enough speaker. The enemy's telling you that there's too much junk in your past that nobody will ever listen to you. Can I tell you that those are just lies of the enemy? God calls you son and daughter. God calls you called. God calls you redeemed. And God says that you have a purpose to make an impact in society. God, you see the hands. You see the hearts. Help them to walk out. Help us. My hand's up too. Help us to walk out and make an impact in our community. And go ahead and put those hands down. I think there's a second group in the room with every head bowed and every eye closed. And maybe you've never stepped into, maybe you've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus. You've heard this sermon today and for some reason it, it pricked your heart. It, it made you think, man, I really don't, I really don't have a relationship with, with Jesus all across the room if that's you on the count of three I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand 
We believe that accepting Jesus is the most important thing that you can ever do in your entire life, but it's just the beginning. Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Everyone has sin in their life. Everyone has been separated from Jesus. But Jesus was born, lived a perfect life, crucified on a cross, buried, and rose again. And when he rose, he conquered hell, death, and the grave. He conquered your sin. He conquered your failure. He conquered your fear. He conquered everywhere that you fall short. And he says, I want a relationship with you. If you want to step into that relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Ready? One, two, three. All across this room, if that's you. You want to step into a relationship with Jesus. And then if we could say this prayer together, could we say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live wide awake to your love and fully alive to my purpose. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for the people who just accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior? That's something to be excited about. Let's make some noise for the baptisms today one more time. Make some noise for Jesus. Hey, listen, make sure you come back throughout this series to find out how we're called to impact these seven specific areas. But until then, we'll be right back here next week as we continue to love Jesus and change the world. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, thanks for joining us today at Multiply Church. We can't wait to see you again next week, either in person or online, as we continue to love Jesus and change the world.